1: Welcome to Let's Talk Wellness. I am your host, Mary James, and I want to say thank you for joining us for today's conversation. During Let's Talk Wellness, we focus on healing, understanding, growth, and spirituality. This is part of the Lo- Hugs for Life Healing Center, a subsidiary of the nonprofit organization called Extraordinary Lives Foundation, where we are devoted to supporting mental health awareness and providing resources for children and their families. As the founder of these organizations, I have the great joy of collaborating with a team of amazing people to help bring healing to children and their families around the world. You can find out all of the show information at elfempowers.org and in the link below. Now, let's talk wellness with today's guest, Charlie Pack. Charlie is a former high school teacher of 18 years and a clinical therapist specializing in trauma. And now she works with schools all over the country, equipping educators with essential tools and skills to help them with their own mental health and wellness while responding effectively to the students' needs. Welcome, Charlie. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's so great to have you. Gosh, that was a mouthful. And I know we, have, <laughs> we can't wait to hear all about you. So I always say, let's start in the beginning and see what inspired you to get into uh, the field originally and then how you um, your journey took you to where you are today. Right. Well, I've been in education for
2: over 20 years and I spent 18 of those years in the high school classroom. And so I got to teach about mental health while I was there. And what I noticed is that so many of my students were struggling and they were coming to me. And I realized they were coming to me because we had trust and rapport like they were going to other teachers that they had trust and rapport with. But there wasn't a lot of immediate mental health support for them with either within our schools or in the communities. And they were really struggling and needed it. So I decided to understand the problem we were having in our system by going to get my Master of Social Work. So I could see it structurally, systemically, and it led me to become a clinical therapist. And so I eventually stepped out of the classroom and into therapy to work in clinical settings. But that work, I mean, I love that work and I I get to do that work, but I need to be in school so we can make a larger, um, wider reach. And that's why I'm working with schools all across the country
1: right now. That is so beautiful. So it's kind of like this uh, actually chose you. You started one day and I love how that transpired. So you say it happened, it has to happen in schools. Why do you say that? Is it, you know, what's not working and why do you think that that's the solution?
2: Well, because if kids aren't at home, they're in school typically. I mean, there is homeschooling, there are other avenues but our public school systems are flooded with our children. And so we need to work with adults who are working with kids. And parents are definitely a part of that solution too, by the way. Um, But our schools, I mean, the foundation for education is there in their buildings. And our job is to make good citizens and to help our kids thrive and have a good life experience. So it only makes sense. That's where the solution is, is our schools. And they have wider reach, they have funding, they can support our families and communities. In such a way, we're gonna we're gonna create waves of change when we utilize them better.
1: Yeah, and you're preaching to the choir. I definitely say there could be um, in one generation we can make a huge impact. Um, so I know some people say, "Oh, our teachers are overburdened; they don't have time for this." Which, so I I know uh, I agree with what you're gonna say, but share with us how you would respond to that. Right. Well, having been a teacher myself, I sat
2: through a lot of professional development where we had mental health professionals come in. They had great intentions. They had great information. But if you don't have a teacher lens, it's very hard to grasp that, uh, that whole experience. So I do understand that teachers actually are very overwhelmed. And so when they leave our PD sessions, they can't go and have to plan something else in order to utilize it. They have to be able to walk out of our sessions and be able to use the tools and strategies immediately. So that is the approach. and. I do validate that they are overwhelmed because a lot is dumped on them. So we give them permission to infuse mental health practice into everyday practice. And that not only benefits them, it absolutely benefits their kids, their students.
1: Right. And what is training for the teachers look like?
2: Definitely interactive. I When we design it, we always pass it through the eye roll test. Like will teachers roll their eyes at this? Because I don't want to sit in another PD session, right? With like, oh my gosh, this is such a waste of my time. Um, So there's a lot of discussion around how do we simplify this process for them in such a way where it's not overwhelming? We actually spend so much time simplifying, which is so hard to do. So I always say it like this, imagine writing a 25 page literature uh, literature review And having to scale that down and synthesize it to a paragraph. And that's what we do to keep it so incredibly simple that they're kind of like, are you sure this is it? And we say, yes, the research shows this is what's going to work because if it's easy to remember, you'll actually do it. And we need to train them so that any of the tools we share with them and the skills they build, it has to be reflexive for them so we don't have to use our mental energy and our physical energy anymore on this. So that's how we're going to make the change when we embed it right into everyday practice.
1: I love it. And do you teach the teachers virtually or in person or both?
2: Both, definitely both. There's accessibility issues. So we have to do virtual and they're limited to their contracts. So they oftentimes want us to be there more than their contracts allow us to be, but we're now seeing them inviting us back several times a year. And it's the best is to do it in person two days at a time, three times a year. So we're there with them in person, six days, and then supporting them virtually with deep dive sessions. So for example, we have nine skills that we teach in our sessions, like you asked before. And once we foundationally set them up with those skills, then we go back and we say, okay, what is the need here? So you're struggling with students who have very big emotions. How do we respond to that? If that's coming from anxiety, let's teach you how to respond effectively to your anxious kids. What if they're not showing up to class? Let's deal with that. And so we look at the need and we cater to what the need is. And so in between those other sessions, we will do a virtual session and d- like address that exact need. So that's that's what's so powerful about this. And it's a three-year plan. So um, it, it's exciting. There's so much that we're hearing back from them. They're they're feeling energized when they can go back to the classroom and start using these tools, which was the dream, right? That's the vision. So we're really excited that that's happening.
1: Right. And that they're excited and that it's working. Beautiful. So yes. what happens when they have a child that they just can't have, you know, help? They're just not equipped. Do they refer them to the school psychologists or how does that work?
2: Yes, because we don't actually ask our teachers to be therapists. That's part of what's overwhelming them is that they feel like they have to be therapists or that we're asking that of them. And the system actually isn't asking that of them, but they're taking on so much with the kids. The kids are quote unquote acting out and they're not equipped to respond to that effectively. And then they're not sure how to handle their own mental health. We're not always given permission to do that in the meantime, right? And so when we show them how to do that and do it effectively while creating a safe space for students to engage in, those behaviors go down. And that system is set up so that the professionals in the building who are there that they're dealing with that. We keep our kids in the classroom as much as we can when we are equipped to do that. And then we create that system of reporting Um, and teachers are really great informants, actually, like they are able to give great insight, but sometimes they don't have the language and sometimes they don't understand when that needs to happen. Mm. So those are some of the things we teach them to do. And then the mental health team, whether that's a school counselor, school, social worker, school psychologist, they can do the work they're set up to do, right? Yeah. Instead of putting out fires all the time yeah. and lower, lowering their caseloads. So that's why it's a system approach. It has to work that way. And we equip everybody within the system so it alleviates that strain.
1: I love that. And they, you know, they say it takes a village to raise a child and it does each and every child, right? And I yes. feel like something happens, then it's everyone's responsibility. It's not just the teacher, the school, or the parent and you know, the students. Um, That is phenomenal. And how long ago did you start doing this?
2: So this has been in my head for 10 years. (laughs) So I've been doing pieces of it for all those years, whether it was doing professional development in my own district with other teachers, I've gotten to teach about mental health for 20 years. Like all of those years I've been in education. Thankfully I've gotten to teach about that. The problem is, is if you don't have a program that has a long-term vision It's done in silos as, as that's happening in our schools now. That's why SEL is great. It's, it's got a strong foundation of research. The skills are amazing. The problem is the way we're rolling that out and only, only equipping kids. That's why it's not working, right? We have to equip the adults and start with the adults, so yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot to it, but I've been having this in my head for a long time. Now I, I've stepped out of education, like out of the classroom, never out of education. Yeah. I've stepped out of being a one-on-one therapist or working at the hospital, which is where I was working in crisis with teens and their families. I stepped out of that because this is guiding me much more. I'm working across the country now. And that's the exciting part because that's where the change will happen. We're actually working with other organizations now that are Connected to schools like the Boys and Girls Club, like they do after school programs and before. So they need to equip their staff, too. So you can imagine, Mara, the trickle effect that this is having into the community that we all need. It's just it's so, so exciting. Yeah, I
1: love that. And have you spoken to uh, the YMCA yet?
2: I haven't gotten that far. I'm I'm thinking that's
1: really important too. They're and you're probably well. all these ideas, and the universe is like, hurry up and wait. It's like <laughs> I want to help the world, and it's like, okay, just slow down. You're going to help it all, so that's I guess on your to do list. And if it wasn't, it will be. Yeah, well, here's the thing is a lot of
2: people don't know about us, or I should say, if they don't know about us, they don't know to contact us. So the good news is, is we are out there a lot more. And when we're working with districts, I mean, they have a, a large pool of people in the community. So that is spreading very quickly. So it's the other organizations that we haven't reached out to. So hopefully that will happen soon, because you're right. They need to be equipped as well. We agree.
1: Yeah. And you're so you're in northern Kentucky. Did you start the program in your backyard? Kind of. What's funny is all the planning has
2: been virtual. And then we go out to California or Alaska or Virginia or, or wherever I'm called, North Dakota, um, all over. So <laughs> the administrative and design work goes here uh, right at my desk. But typically, I'm not doing the work in my area um, all the time. So I do have actually my, um, the high school I used to go to, I'm starting to do work with them, which is so neat, so neat, so neat.
1: So are you in Texas, much needed uh, state yet?
2: Uh, yes, Texas is a much needed state. I hear so much about Texas and some gaps in that mental health edu- uh, system there and education. Yeah. So, so I'm hoping to get and- it to Texas.
1: Okay. So you're not there yet. Not yet. Not well, yet. Putting it out there, anyone listening, I have a few friends um, <laughs> that will be hearing and they're in Texas. So, and actually two of them, um, they have kids in high school, so that'll be perfect. Nice. Yeah, That's amazing. And I see a little book behind you. Is that the book that you wrote? (laughs) Yes. What's funny is we,
2: we thought we might do that, but we were called to do that because so many people are asking us, do you have a framework for this? How do I find out more? How do we dive into this deeper? And with the limited time that school districts have, because they would like us there more, but we're restricted, like I said before, about the from the contract. So we decided to put the book together and we just released it earlier this year. And what we're finding is people are doing book studies in their, with their staff. Yeah. And it connects their staff with parents. Yeah. We created this guide that we said, okay, we're just going to create a guide so that you can get those conversations started. So here it is. We, we let them, you know, of course, download that it's totally free, but what people want to do is you, you can appreciate this. They want to have these conversations. They want to dive deeper and, it's so neat. like when they have the space to talk about it, there's so much relief even from that. So anyway, that's where that that's where that came from.
1: Yeah, and the teachers working with each other to real, you know, so they're not holding anything in be like, oh, you're experiencing that too. and you know, definitely. Um, a lot of times I've heard that sometimes also teachers will have a student or two that might be pushing their buttons. And it's something, you know, I always say that kids will show the parents what they need to heal in themselves. And I feel like sometimes the students might be doing that too. So as the teachers, you know, put on their oxygen mask um, to equip themselves to help also equip their students is very impactful.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So important.
1: Yeah. So your book now, is it, who is the target audience? Are there schools, parents, both?
2: Um, Well, we will have a parent version coming out eventually because it needs to be there. It's part of the solution for sure. Right now it targets educators and a lot of leaders are picking it up. So superintendents are grabbing it and distributing to their schools, administrators, school counselors, school social workers, because their lens is so vital. They understand that systemic approach but we've made it in such a way to where you can just flip to a section to read it. So I'll give you that example, Mira. A teacher burnout, a lot of it is coming from challenging student behavior. I mean, that is no secret. And so part of that is what is triggering me? Why is it triggering me? And where does that come from? How's that showing up for me? And how do I notice that and what can I do about it? So how then I how can I then set up a safe secure space for that other person? And by the way, when I work with principals, that other person might be a colleague or a staff member. It may not at all be a student. A lot of times it is a staff member, most of the time with the leaders. And so these skills are so transferable and they have to be, that's the purpose. So that everybody is speaking the same common language when they learn them. So that's, what's exciting about it. Um, so anybody in education and really people are reaching out to us in other organizations that can we actually get this with our, our corporate staff because they need these skills too. And I think it will eventually go there as well.
1: Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Expanding. Um, and I love that edge, helping the teachers to help themselves to help the students. Um, and do you do like, um, do you get evidence-based research back? Do you do questionnaires after? Yeah. Well,
2: because I've been teaching, Okay. So yes. So all of the skills are evidence-based there. In fact, when we put our book out, the manuscript out first to our publishers, they were like, um, you have got to cut back all of the citations or many of the citations, not all of them. And they said, this is like a textbook. And if you want to target colleges who they'll probably scoop them up. But we said, no, we want teachers <laughs> to be able to just pick this up and read it. And there's a lot of storytelling in there too. So that they have examples, but when we do go work with districts, we always provide them a report after our PD, after the professional development. And that way they can see what the attendance was and what their their attendees were saying about it. And the reviews have been really great. And that's why we're so energized by it because they're craving more and more. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, some of these events are on their spring break, President's Day week when they're off school, and they're coming back and experiencing this and they're asking for more throughout the summer and um, online. So, again, it just, it just shows you merit, like they're asking for it. They need to talk about this. They want to talk about this. And most educators don't want to actually leave education if it was the working environment, they signed it up to be in. I mean, that's, that's really it.
1: Right. And I I mean, yeah, it's interesting. you know, just right around where I am in California, there was some threats to one of the local high schools. Um, So it's the parents and everyone thinks about the parents and the students and they're fearing off feeling all this fear but the teachers right oh my goodness and if the teacher's feeling it how these empathic children are kind of responding off and you know of them and their energy so um very profound right you're right yeah charlie we're going to take a really brief break and then we're going to come back and hear some more good stories um and hear more about
0: your book so everybody stay tuned we'll be right back In these shifting and changing times, more and more lives are being impacted by mental health. The Extraordinary Lives Foundation, also known as ELF, is transforming the way people view and navigate mental health challenges. Their mission is to improve children's mental health and wellness and support families by providing educational tools, resources, and awareness events. ELF encourages families to recognize symptoms, overcome the stigma, visit the Extraordinary Lives Foundation website at www.elfempowers.org to find out more about their resources and events. Together, we can change the conversation around mental health. We hope that you're enjoying today's Let's Talk Wellness podcast and if you have a topic that you would like us to explore, we would love to hear from you. Simply email us at info at elfempowers.org. That's info at org. And now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Let's Talk Wellness. I'm your host, Mara James. And today we have Charlie Peck with us, who is a former high school teacher of 18 years, a clinical therapist, and so much more. Welcome back, Charlie. Thank you. So let's talk back about your book. Uh, Do you want to share the title of it again? (laughs) Yes.
2: It's very simple so that everybody would know what it's about. And it's called Improving School Mental Health, The Thriving School Community Solution. Our solution, our approach is called Thriving School Community. That's what that's about.
1: And you know what's so interesting? It's such a simple title and you give pretty simplified solutions to really help teachers and parents. So I love that because uh, mental health is not a simple topic at all. And to actually spell it out and simplify it, especially when teachers and parents are getting overwhelmed. I just wish you were around when my children were younger. So thank you for doing this. Thank you. Yes. And you co-authored this book. Is that correct? That's right. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And so tell us about your co author
2: Yes. So we each did podcasts. We met up that way. Her name is Dr. Cameron Caswell and she is an adolescent psychologist. She works with teens and families as a, as a success coach, like a family success coach. And she hears all of these things that I was hearing when I was working with, with students and families. And so we just, we were kind of frustrated that we're, we're seeing the same things over and over, but not big results in our schools because When we work with families, for example, a lot of the strain from our students and our kids not only come from the family, but they come from the school and there's such a disconnect. So she and I got together and we said, listen, let's come up with these training programs and let's come up with this darn book so that we can spread the message and come up with a solution that will work. So that is um, how we got together. And that's what we've been doing.
1: That is so beautiful. And as we had our little intermission, I received a text from a friend in Texas who's having trouble with her child in high school. And it's, it's. I just love the timing. I mean, you can't make that up. And we know yeah. so many people are having um, challenges. And you know, I'm always here to encourage them to reach out for help because we all have challenges with our kids. And um, whether or not we want to admit them is a whole other story.
2: Absolutely.
1: Um, so that is amazing. And I love how the two of you came together and that you work with the educators and that Dr. Cos- uh, Caswell, am I saying it properly? You're okay. right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, is really helping the parents. So equipping them and it's beautiful.
2: Right. Well, a parent like the one that just texted you would get in touch with Dr. Cam Caswell and she would help. She would help the whole family system function better. Yes. And I I can't can't
1: wait for you to send me her information as soon as we're done with this. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So let's talk a little bit about prevention, right? So your book, the programs are really about prevention. Can you share with us a little bit about that?
2: Yes. I mean, we have to talk a lot about prevention because it's the only way that we're going to have sustainability. And so we can give some immediate tools but if we keep just working out on putting out fires, we're not functioning the way we need to. And certainly our school system is not. So think about all the caseloads that social workers at school, school based social workers, especially have uh, or our school counselors. Like there's so many kids that they're trying to see. But. Our teachers are the ones with them all the time. I mean, our kids get on the school bus they're in the lunchroom, they're in the hallways. There's a lot of other people in the system that we can lean on and equip so that they're not carrying the burden. And then we can relieve the system and start from a place of prevention. And so uh, when we're working with families, for example, we need to work with parents who are new parents or even thinking about becoming parents so that they can mitigate their own issues first. We haven't talked about that yet, Mara, but my goodness, it's important. Oh, you're
1: preaching my language now, girlfriend. Right. right, right. Gosh, I wish I knew
2: this stuff going on. I really wish I did. The other thing is prevention starts with teacher programs. I mean, before teachers actually go into the classroom to get their own classroom or to even get the experience, we need to equip them right away. In fact, that's something that I'm doing too. I'm working with colleges around the country to speak to their groups and equip those teachers. So yeah, I mean- It just makes sense. Right. But we're just not doing it. So that's why we need to do it. We need to make this change now.
1: And that's great. And um, if we were doing it, we wouldn't be having this conversation. And since it's not being done and you're really here to do it, um, I just really applaud you on behalf of, you know, everyone that you're helping. It's so amazing. It's so important. You're definitely adding this to like the teacher, like when they're going to get their um, credits and their training, this should should be part of it. I know one of my board members is a social worker and he teaches social workers at a local college. And so many times he's helping helping them with their own mental health. And that's what it takes. The sooner we can help um, an adult uh, before. The, yeah, ideally, you know, there's always a different time. There has to be a crack in the rock to let the light in. So there's definitely different times um, with my husband being an OBGYN and sometimes working with some neurotic, high anxious Um, Mothers to be that's a great time, you know, but I think that there has to be a problem. So sometimes being proactive doesn't work because someone has to see there is a problem. um, And hopefully we catch it before the problem escalates out of control. Right. And, and we, so when we look at schools, and we ask what their programming
2: is. Much of it is, of course, equipping students and sometimes it's a regular programs or it's it's a one off program or let's do Wellness Wednesdays. Listen, that's all great stuff. I don't want any of that going away. But is it solving the problem? Are we still in a youth mental health crisis? We absolutely are. So something else needs to be done. And so, when we think about those solutions, we don't want it to get to the problem. We want those problems to—we don't want those problems to show up in the first place, or we want to catch them early. Like we all know that the earlier you catch them, the better. So, even if those new moms knew that what they're doing, even when they're pregnant, oh my goodness, we know we have information that the neurology—we um, have neurological information now that they are affected. And then there's um, epigenetics. Uh, I'm struggling with my words now, Mary, because there are, there's just so much, there's so much we can do and share with new moms before they even get pregnant. We tell them to take their prenatal vitamin pills before they even get pregnant. And that's prevention too. So you can, you can probably imagine my thinking around this, it's just, it is big, but that's why the solution has to be manageable. And that's what we're trying to do.
1: And this is so great that we're talking about this. Um, Nothing's random. So part of what we're doing with the foundation, like a piggy bear, pregnant woman, right? My son is um, the seventh OBGYN in our family studying for his residency, in his residency. And he just chose, he's in the second year, uh, just about to begin his third year. And he chose high risk. Um, And I'm like, that is so beautiful because- Okay, tell me if you're going unless you're very very spiritual and have zero fear and 100 faith, who wouldn't be a hot mess? I would be, right? And that's <laughs> yeah. a perfect time. So, like, definitely working with you, and we could talk offline about how to help these the woman right there. You know, um, just so many beautiful, profound things
2: there are. And let me just say one quick thing about that. Yeah, and I think anybody has gone through change and growth personally; they understand this very well. It's that we cannot show up to the, 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 people who depend on us, especially our little ones, especially our babies. And little. We cannot show up to them in the way that they need us to, if we don't deal with our own stuff first, and there will be a time that you, you might want to do that. But if we wait too long, there are so many years or even months lost that we could have had a better influence. And that's not to put pressure on people. That's just to say, Hey, Listen. It's I'm giving you permission to deal with it now let's it's do en- that
1: now yeah it's yeah. an invitation it's encouraging it, I love that and yeah. it's funny because you know again with me like I didn't start my healing until I was thrown into it you know 48 years old nine years ago and um and I see that I, when my childhood um traumas was abandonment and I see my daughter that you know now 21 like she kind of took over this karmic issue that you know I wish I could have healed so I didn't have to pass it to her and now it's like okay we both get to do it but there's so many things um yeah the proactive you know as much as we can i love that and i love that invitation to heal so thank you for sharing that sure, sure. so you mentioned um the other week about the spillover effect can you share with me uh with all of us a little more about that please yes yeah, so this
2: goes back to what our kids life experiences and when they're in school they go and spend a lot of time there and then they go home and they come back to school and then they go back home mm-hmm. if they're struggling at home with something They're showing up to school and those struggles show up in behavior typically, right? Sometimes it's avoidance, which is behavior still. um, And sometimes it's really acting out and we don't know what to do with that. And then if they're struggling at school, guess what? They go home and that shows up at home and that's called the spillover effect. And so what we need to do is understand that the behaviors, the behaviors are going to show up in either place or They might show up more in the safer place, which people don't understand that a lot, but if they feel safe, they're going to let their guard down and those behaviors show up more with the people they trust, which is really tough on those people they trust right um, but also it, it could it could be the a- complete opposite too they could be acting out against people they don't trust at all and and that's happening as well and so if we look at behaviors as the symptom of the problem and not the actual problem we might be able to humanize these kids better and stop labeling them mislabeling them and therefore then misguiding them so spillover effects huge we've got to get parents on board we've got to connect with them we all know that schools okay. schools and school leaders they know parents are vital to this solution too so we want to just look at that both environments and stabilize both environments and then make both environments thrive that's that's the goal
1: right and a lot of times parents if they're not um really aware of their own um you know emotions and traumas then they can't even be present or aware for their child so it's always again that putting that oxygen mask on first
2: that's right. Yes. And sometimes they just need to hear that it's okay to do that because oh, there's a lot of guilt around parenting, as you know.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, that's so funny because I'm working with another organization about doing something for mo- mothers, you know, moms and oh my God, you show me one mother that doesn't have any guilt. I'm going to say she either has, is on a different planet or isn't in touch with it. But I mean, all of us, my goodness, it's, you know, and whether it's, you know, our own, or we hear that voice in our head that we shouldn't be doing this and that, it is just, oh my gosh. And then when you're guilty, I have a lot of friends who, you know, their kids went through divorce. So they kind of sometimes uh, end up enabling versus empowering their children because they feel guilty for the divorce. And Mm -hmm. that's a whole uh, other ballgame.
2: That's why our first skill is self-compassion. It's about checking yourself and and combating that insecurity and being able to move through it and not get stuck. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, And also you talked about creating an immersive culture experience, cultural experience. Can you share with us a little bit about that?
2: Yes, absolutely. Okay. So we talked earlier about equipping adults right we equip adults in the the system that's mm-hmm. parents that's educators anybody working with kids and kids of course they learn through modeling they learn by hearing they learn by seeing doing and so we we want to equip them as well um, but we start with with the adults and and i want you guys to all think about this as a cultural experience as if you're teaching a language we can teach kids the skill of language, right? Like we're doing with our one-off classes in social emotional learning or our advisory classes or whatever we're doing the one-offs. But unless we're all immersed in that whole cultural experience of learning the language together and sharing in that common language, and understanding it, uh, it's not going to stick. And so we have to have that for long-term sustainability. So again, that's why we don't say, "list." we don't say like, you've got to do a program overhaul in your school. In fact, it's quite the opposite. We say, keep what you have that you like, stick with that. We want you to power that stuff up by giving them these nine skills and embedding it into everything that you're already doing and level up from there and do that together. That's the, that's the whole idea.
1: Amazing, and so you keep talking about the nine skills. Is there one or two that you could uh, give a, a share with us now?
2: Yes. Oh my goodness. There's yeah because there's for, nine to, of them yeah.
1: that you could share. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: I'll tell you the one, the the two that that come to mind very quickly that I keep hearing about. Number one is social plasticity. So we know that plasticity is about learning to adapt, and, and there's so much more to it. But if you think of um, the brain adapting and learning and growing as you go through your life. Well, we say, let's learn social plasticity. So think about somebody that you already, like they challenge you a lot, right? You feel very challenged by this person. And I always say, when we're training, I'm like, just one, <laughs> just one person. One at a time. <laughs> right, right. And so we teach them to think about, well, what's more to their story? Like there's there's more to their story. And I always share the experience I had with my, my one student, I'll call her Madison. That's not her real name. It was early in my teaching career. And Madison was leaving my class as she pleased. And I was like, that's not okay. And you're not even signing out. And I'm trying to approach her and she's kind of skirting me. But then I get called to the office and my principal says, just let her do that. And I'm like, what? What? But okay, I complied. Didn't have a great semester with her. There was definitely, it just wasn't working. It was not a positive experience. I went to her second semester to go find her to just make amends because I didn't like how it left. And I was looking for, I couldn't find her. And my school counselor, who's a friend of mine, she told me, she said, Madison passed away. And Mm -hmm. I was devastated and angry. Nobody told me this kid was sitting in my class with a terminal illness the whole time. There's so much to that, Mara, but here's what it taught. Here's one thing it taught me because it taught me a lot. One thing is, How many of my students are sitting among me with these kinds of problems or something that's small, maybe compared to that, but huge to them. So we ask people to think, what unfair judgments are you making about that person who's challenging you? And how is that putting up a wall between the two of you? And how can we then make that assumption into a new assumption is there's more to their story. That's the new assumption. Yeah, But that's what social plasticity is going to teach you to do. And then we say, let's replace that by saying, what am I missing? Like, what am I missing? So that's only one of the skills, one of the tools, but that's what we would take. I mean, I teach that in
1: two and a half, three hours. It takes time to dive into it, but you can see it's powerful, right? Yeah, that compassion, having compassion. And it's also, it's very hard to have compassion when you don't know what their trauma is, right? Everyone's either going through or had trauma. So, you know, and and that to me is poo-poo on, you know, the parents and educators for not letting you know and having more compassion, being understanding. You know, with my son, my middle one, my greatest gift and my greatest challenging child, um, you know, with his Asperger's and ADHD, I told the teacher so that they would understand and have a little compassion for him and understand that his brain things differently. And he's not trying to be annoying. He just, you know, there were certain ways he thinks and yeah. And how did you work with yourself to release the guilt that you went through when you found out, did you do your own self-work?
2: No, you know why? Because I was a newer teacher and I didn't have skills and I didn't have people to lean on to tell me to, Yeah, right? And I didn't have permission to do that. And I didn't, it's not that, it's not that they didn't care. It's just that we were unaware and unequipped. Exactly. And so that's why this work is so important. That was one of the, a, a, of course, a big defining time for me, a moment for me. And so I started paying better attention and I thought, what's going on? What else is, ha- what else am I missing? And so I kept asking that question over and over
1: and it I, led me to here. It's beautiful. I mean, you know, we have to go through our own pain and suffering to help uh, help us first and then help others. Um, yeah. Wow. And you know what? Parents, teachers don't know what they don't know. We know what we know because we had to go through it. And, you know, yes. we, but we bear the cross for others. So hopefully they could suffer less. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. And you yeah. had one other um you were going to, one of the nine you were
2: going to share with us? Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. So the other one is, well, the the one we just, the self-compassion work, that's why we do that before we do the others, because we have to start with us. But the other one I'd like to share has to do with protecting ourselves in a relationship. And I also say, like, we need to protect each other in the relationship, but sometimes there's a power imbalance. So typically we think of reciprocity as Um, giving and taking equally. And that's not what we say at all. That doesn't actually play out well. That doesn't work. It doesn't work in a healthy way. And so we say, who's got control over themselves? Well, of course we do. We're the only ones who will. So in a very short amount of time here, we ask people to think about how much are you willing to give And how do you notice when you're giving too much to that other person or to the relationship? How do you notice that in your body, right? There's a lot of trauma informed practice we do there, but also how much are you willing to take from them? So it's not about how much you're willing to give and take back and forth. You're in charge of you and how you're going to show up to that relationship, so we ask people to set their own limits and respect their own limits instead of putting that onto somebody else. And that gives us tremendous power. And there's a lot that we work through in the workshop and um, a lot of deep dives into that. But that's the that's another one that just kind of popped in my head.
1: And that's amazing, you know, personally having some uh, heavy duty trauma when I was younger that I didn't even remember about until a few years ago, you know, feeling safe in our body, being able to say no. Yes, it's huge. Right. Because a lot of times yes. like we'll be we'll be reactive versus and we don't even understand why we're doing it. And yes. so when you're talking about relationships, though, that's like with anybody. That's Not, right? right. Like with your student, with your teacher, with your, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, lover, um, anybody,
2: your boss. I mean, your we're boss. giving permission to respect your own limits. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and imagine that's one of the things that I was having a really hard time stepping out of my classroom because I was teaching these things to teenagers and especially teen girls. There's a boys too. This happens with boys, the abusive relationships and unhealthy relationships, but teen relationships in general are, are, that can be really unhealthy. And so who's left to do that. So we have to imagine equipping our youth with this equipping them with feeling empowered oh i get to set limits and stick with them the problem is is we think people are so like youth are so entitled these days it's it's not that it's that we've given them a voice but we never taught them how to use it mm. and so it's looking bad on them but they're really struggling to try yeah uh, we just need to teach them to do it better right so yeah. that they'll be heard
1: it's the abc's of social emotional learning and i love it Um, And have you, uh, is there one thing that you notice that seems to be effective in shifting an explosive situation in a classroom?
2: Absolutely. Uh, A lot of these tools pop in my head. So one of them that we teach is, listen, let's envision a circle of control. Again, remember, we try to simplify and always give visuals, and then we always practice them. But think about a circle, and then what is in your control inside that circle? Well, we can control our own thoughts. Our feelings, I mean, initially they might pop up, but then we get to decide we're going to catch ourselves making that assumption. We're going to catch ourselves thinking something mean. So we don't actually have to act on that. We get to decide what we can do in that moment. Sometimes we're talking seconds, right? We don't have time. We have seconds. And then we can think of when we're in that circle, how are we feeling? How's that showing up for us? Going back to that body work is really important. And some people roll their eyes and it's like, okay, well, how does stress show up for you? So that's how we deal with that. How just changing the wording. Mm -hmm. And I say, listen, I want you to envision a ladder of conflict. So that person might be caught like climbing a ladder, a rung, right? And so they're starting here, they're uncomfortable and then they're frustrated and then they're irritated and then blah, blah, blah. And then there's rage. So you get to decide if you're going to climb that ladder with them or not, because the real power is at the bottom of that ladder and you can control that, right? Right. And so I use this even with very explosive kids that were in tremendous crisis and it it worked well for them because they can envision themselves on that ladder and then climbing back down. It was really powerful.
1: Wow. I love it. I love it. I love it. And what is the best way for our listeners and watchers to get in touch with you?
2: Well, they can just go to thrivingschool.org. Everything is there. There are free resources they can sign up with. Um, certainly email me uh, you spell my name c-h-a-r-l-e and then charlie at thrivingschool.org please reach out to me i'd love to support you and get you some resources my goodness we could all use the support
1: absolutely and we'll put that your contact information um and in the link in the show information Thank charlie it's been such an honor and a pleasure and to you and all of our friends out there don't forget that you are amazing
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Let's Talk Wellness. This podcast has been brought to you by the Hugs for Life Healing Center, a division of the Extraordinary Lives Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. If you would like to listen to more conversations like this, we invite you to subscribe to our mailing list at www.elfempowers.org to be notified when our weekly episodes are published. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to bringing you our next conversation on Let's Talk Wellness.